Their fairytale wedding was an international event, but behind the scenes, the royal couple was anything but joyful. The Princess of Wales struggled to fit into her new role and found no support from her husband or his family. Even two beautiful children couldn't save the doomed union, especially when the marriage had an unwelcome third participant. This week's episode is Princess Diana, Part 2. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. Well, I found out what's better than eBay. What's that? My mom's house. <laughs> oh, do you have the tin? Let me see it. I have my royal oh, tin. Oh, I like it. What it does is it say? Sweet... It says, The Marriage of the Prince of Wales and Lady Diana Spencer, 29 July, 1981. And it has a picture of them in their wedding outfits. Uh, Diana is sans veil, but Charles is looking doofy hello <laughs> that is and diana looks very she elegant looks fantastic yes hair is on point eyes. it is a tin uh mixed fruit flavored sweets it's a travel sweets tin that legend has it my aunt got on a trip to the uk it says it's made in waterton bridgend glamorgan uk wow ma- manufactured by smith kinden limited uh so my aunt got this when she went to the uk and brought it back and gave it to my grandma and then my mom inherited it. She was keeping buttons, I think, sewing implements in it. And she sent me a picture and I said, can I have that? And she said, uh, yeah, just you need to give me one of your tins. And I said, I don't, I have no tins at my house. But I bought 10 tins off of Amazon. 10 tins. And I had them shipped to her house. And guess what else I have? Uh-oh. What? The CD single of Elton John's Candle in the Wind. It is the yeah. Candle in the Wind 1997 version. Yes, have the whole CD. Oh, yeah. The B track is something uh, about the way you look tonight, but this is the Also a great song. Remember when you bought CD singles? What the hell? It's yeah. 2 bucks. I remember when what? you bought cassette tape singles. There you go. Well, and they came Elton in the John. um cardboard sleeve. Like a what, that's it. It wasn't no plastic. Yeah, it wasn't even a plastic thing. It was just a cardboard sleeve. I remember I had um Nirvana. Uh, oh, yeah. And then I had Guns N' Roses. I had several. Rock um, and roll. Yeah. November Rain. It's rough, though, if it's a tape because you play November Rain, you rock out, and then you it's gotta, over. You got to rewind it. You got to. You can't just hit back. You got to rewind it. <laughs> no, kids today will not know what that Mm-mm. was like. They just put the loop button on their yeah. little iPods and let it go. I watched a TikTok the other day where this mom was... Showing her Gen Z kid um, a Discman. Oh, nice. And he t- he takes, she hands him a CD and the Discman, and he's like, he goes, how do you watch it? Like, he, he literal, he had no idea what this was, and he, she's like, we used to walk around and hold these and listen yeah. to our CDs skip on this. Your, skip your songs. And it blew his mind. <laughs> I can't wait, man, I can't wait to show my kids all the weird shit that I've accumulated. Oh, yeah. And then imagine what we what kids are into now. Then, like, when Ella's, you know, 16 or something, 
the technology they'll have then. What will she mm-hmm. be doing? Just uh, like, look at your old laptop, mom. Yeah, and your stupid old phone. Mm-hmm. You're like, it was cutting edge in my day. Yeah, and then just her uh, her Bluetooth implanted in her head rings, and she's like, "Sorry, I got to take this." <laughs> it's a heads up display, but it's your eyes. Well, I do have one more memorabilia piece. Oh, sweet! I have to announce I'm going to quit the show because I'm a multimillionaire now. Oh. Because I have <gasps> you got the beanie baby, the Princess Diana beanie baby. Yeah, it's called Princess. She has a tag cover on it. Where'd you get this? So it, my mom had it at the house. Oh, this was so, mine as a child. Oh, you my didn't tell said, me about this one. I knew about the sweet tin. I wanted to uh, spring it on you. I uh, love it. Yeah, it says, Princess, like an angel, she came from heaven above. She shared her compassion, her pain, her love. She only stayed with us long enough to teach the world to share, to give, to reach. All profits will be donated to the Diana Princess of Wales Memorial Fund. Wow. And then I went on a Beanie Baby uh, you where you go on to value your beanie babies mm-hmm. and nine bucks right here. Uh oh, my mom's like, I think I paid thirty dollars for that. <laughs> I, would, I am surprised it's only nine. Yeah, well, it says nine to seventeen. There's apparently variations in the butt tag. They call it a, I think a tush tag. I was calling it the butt tag, but there's different numbers and types of filling and where it was made uh, in the U.S. or the China. And mine is, unfortunately, the $9 to $17, mm. depending on condition. And I would say this baby is like new. <laughs> it does look very Ooh. nice. It's the nice royal blue and then um, a it's flower. Purple. It's kind of a purple color. A flower on it? Hi, oh, buddy. Yeah. She's got a white rose <laughs> on her chest. So Yeah, I don't think. Was... Heather doesn't realize how close this is getting to the camera. <laughs> this is all I see. It's like just, oh, okay. just butted up so oh, far. Th- there. That's and, perfect. And uh, I also, for a, a, a number of years, it was kept in a plastic clear box like Dwight Schrute wow. keeps his bobbleheads. So this is well kept. I, this is going in the studio. It looks good. One more, one more thing to add to I the can't studio. wait. I love we it. got to up the business insurance in case anything happens to here so we I can... Know replace yeah, it we do invaluable today i thought in- my com- my laptop um crapped out and i panicked and tommy was like we gotta do something and back it up so if that happens the show doesn't just end <laughs> <laughs> that's what i did my when all my plugs on my laptop stopped working and in the, this macbook the, all the holes are the same so they all if they all go out you can't charge it anymore it oh. just dies and all the Apple stores, you just have to mail it. And I started panicking. I had like 10% battery. And I was just dragging feverishly all these files to Google Drive. And I've since backed it all up because, again, we don't want the show to end. I have a ton of templates and mm-hmm. business records and all kinds of things. It's all now backed up to the cloud. But at the time, it freaked me out. So Got to put it in the cloud. Got to put it in the cloud. You know what uh, What else is... Oh, this... <sighs> The segue didn't work. We were trying. We were I was trying, trying you know, to in the cloud. segue into the candles. Yeah, I was saying, you know, what puts me in the cloud and calms me down is a eucalyptus candle there you for go. stress. That's it. Uh, our listener, Ashley Rogers, sent us some cool candles that she makes herself from soy wax and essential oils. She made a lavender one with Christy, and there's also some lip balm there for you. Oh, thank you. And then you. a eucalyptus candle for me for stress. So, oh, uh, love it. It was chilling out. They smell really good, and they're made in jam containers so repurposed jam containers so very eco-friendly so thank love you it. ashley we appreciate thank you that. ashley i love lavender thank you so much mm-hmm. so does um ella ella loves does lavender she... mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. she's a girl after her mama's own heart she is yes yes well this is part two of our three-parter on princess die go back and listen to part one if you haven't yet um it's a good one we got a lot of compliments on your your accent 
So <laughs> I, I, think just- I think you did a fantastic <laughs> job, as does the people. Oh, so. thank you. I it was a call to uh, please just stroke my fragile ego. I said, <laughs> I said, don't send me a DM unless it said lovely accent. And someone very hilariously sent a DM at all. It said was lovely accent. Said, <laughs> there you thank go. You. So it was there quite you nice. Go. We did get somebody with several of our English uh, listeners mentioned that we said row instead of row as far as a fight. But mm. it was a fight they had on the yacht, and so I argued that if it was such a bad fight, they maybe rowed back to shore. So, so it's we're row. not sure. We had a Apparently row. Apparently, it's row. It's you know what? I think, I think I knew that, actually. Honestly, it's the same word, and it's spelled the same. It's, it is. Uh, unfair. But in that instance, apparently it's row, but I say that it was row. They were on a boat, so yeah. that's my argument. I sh- sh- you know what? That's on me, because they say that so much on Love Island because they have oh, so they? many of them that I should have known better. Oh yeah, it's Uh-oh. Rouse Central over there. <laughs> Rouse City. Mhm. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into part 2. Princess Diana and Prince Charles's marriage had started off with great fanfare, but quickly deteriorated into heartache. On the Morton tapes, Diana recalls, I remember crying my heart out on my honeymoon. I was so tired for all the wrong reasons. They fought about Charles's infidelity, while Diana continued to struggle with her eating disorder, saying that by that time, the bulimia was appalling. That doesn't sound like a fun honeymoon on a yacht. No, and the pictures have them on the on the side of the ship. They're leaning over the railing, kind of smiling. But yeah. when you really look, any of the photos of them together, except for a, a brief period when I think they were into each other, just looks forced oh yeah yeah it it, just looks forced nobody wants to be there we talked last time about how the pictures of camilla fell out of his diary in front of uh diana and then also he was just openly wearing cufflinks that camilla had given him that had their they called each other fred and gladys i think okay were nicknames were were these the cc ones where it was intertwined c's they were oh maybe it was those they also had other ones that were like f and g and he had Mm -hmm. given her a bracelet with those that she openly wore in front of diana all the time i think the cufflinks you're right um diana said it was tricky and sneaky because she kind of had them designed like chanel Mm -hmm. but it was for their initials and he's just wearing those on On their honeymoon. honeymoon i was talking to my mom today who is big into the royals and she was not defending Charles by any means, but she's like, if you watch The Crown, you see, like, he did not want to be married to her mm-hmm. at all. He was pretty mm-hmm. much forced into the whole thing by his family. So, mm-hmm. and we talked about that last time, too. Neither one of them wanted to be in this marriage, but nobody called it off. And then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. That happens to a lot of people. But most people don't have cameras in your face 24-7 where everyone's seeing just how much you do not want to be with the person you're with. Yeah, I think if you're in a relationship and you're faking it, it's fine unless your face is on a sweets tin and you can't (laughs) Mm -hmm. easily unwind yourself from the. You know, I think at the beginning she was giddy about it. I mean, you know, she said she was enamored by him. Mm -hmm. But as soon as it's kind of the crack starts showing, it's too late to bail. Mm -hmm. You really hate it, but it's too late to bail. Mm -hmm. After the less-than-perfect honeymoon, the Prince and Princess of Wales returned to Balmoral, the royal family's Scottish estate. There, things didn't get much better. According to Diana, her true story, in her own words, just three months after the wedding, her mental health began to suffer, leading to suicidal urges. 
By October, I was about to cut my wrists. I was in a very bad way and it rained and rained and rained. I couldn't sleep, didn't eat. A whole world was collapsing around me. She said later when she talked to the doctor, he asked how many times she tried to take her own life. She said about four or five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, man. Yeah, and this is, I mean, they only, their courtship was 12, 13 dates. They got engaged pretty quickly and then pretty quickly after they got married. So, I mean, within a year or two Mm -hmm. of her, probably just a year of Mm -hmm. them becoming an item. Mm-hmm. she's already having suicidal urges. Yeah, it's, you're going from being a 19-year-old hanging out in Kensington, or, you know, hanging out in your flat with your pals, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're being photographed every single thing you do, and mm-hmm. scrutinized. Yeah. Knowing she needed professional help, Diana left Balmoral and went to London, where she sought assistance from the royal doctors. Unfortunately, they did not provide her with counseling. Instead, the princess was put on high doses of Valium which Diana said was not a big help. However, amidst all the pain and suffering during that October in 1981, a blessing occurred. The conception of the couple's first son, William, which Diana said was wonderful, as it occupied my mind. Yeah, she said they basically gave her drugs so she would just not make waves. Yeah, she was considered a problem by them. Yes, and a liability. Mm Mm-hmm. Diana was terribly ill throughout her pregnancy, with bulimia and morning sickness, but was still expected to carry out her royal duties. In the Nat Geo doc, Diana claims the royal family saw her sickness as an irritation, making it known that Diana's a problem. Her husband appeared to agree. On one of their tours, Diana was feeling particularly ill before greeting crowds. She was sick, exhausted, and just wanted to stay in the car and rest. Charles, however, was all business, telling her, You've just got to get out and do it. There's no sympathy from really nah. anyone. Nah. They, have, you know, obviously Charles can never say he's been pregnant, but to them it was, there's tons of times none of us want to do this, but it's part of the job. So you just, mm-hmm. you have to get out there and do it. It didn't matter that you were sobbing, like, uncontrollably in the car, Did mm-hmm. could barely keep your eyes open. It's like, nah. You have, yeah, you need to get get out and do this. Yeah, I mean, being bulimic when you're pregnant, um, I don't know. I didn't read anything about if the doctors were really treating her for that. I don't, I, I don't know if it was terribly well known at that point because eventually Mm-mm. it became pretty well known in the family that she. Uh, you know what? I think by this point, yeah, because Charles had told his mother, the queen. Mm-hmm. Because she had said, oh, that's why you're having marital problems. So mm-hmm. everyone knew, but I don't know if, if she was being given vitamins or something to supplement, like being able to sustain the pregnancy and get the nutrients she needed. Yeah, it wasn't until I think the early 1990s, late 80s, after both the kids were born, that she finally got the bulimia under control. Mm-hmm. She finally took took steps to go to a professional who doesn't just drug you. Mm-hmm. Miserable and sobbing back home, Diana told Charles she was desperate and sad. Unflinching and unmoved, he replied, I'm not going to listen. You're always doing this to me. I'm going riding. In response, the pregnant Diana threw herself down the flight of stairs, causing bruising around her stomach. The queen, who was on premises, came down to find Diana and became terribly frightened. However, when Charles got back, 
He was dismissive. I have never been pregnant, but I imagine it would take a very deep, deep sorrow to want to hurt yourself in that state. It's a hard thing to wrap your head around. I I did read that she said she knew she wasn't going to lose the baby. So, of course, you should never throw yourself down a flight of stairs if you're pregnant. But perhaps she did it in a way where... She thought it was going to be okay. I don't know. I mean, she still did have bruising and stuff on her stomach, so she must have hit her stomach somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the queen, she said the queen came out and was shaking. Mm-hmm. She was so scared about what was going on. And obviously, they called the doctors and everything. And Charles gets back, and he just couldn't have cared less. No. Nah. I get the impression from his reactions to stuff that he just thought she was a drama queen. Yes. And instigated these these fights and brought on problems just to like get a rise out of him and he never really took her seriously it seemed like he wanted her to think this is the way the world is right we cheat on each other it's fine people don't get upset about it why don't you understand that why do you keep freaking out about this mm-hmm. and she was 19 no first of all nobody told her all that second of all she didn't have the experience in that world where everybody apparently was cheating on yeah. each other to know that it was the norm and get used to it so I don't think that was a fair response on his part to say, come on, kid, get with it. Get with the program. It's how we do it. It's how we treat people. I think he resented her as well. Mm -hmm. He was forced into this marriage, ostensibly by his family, and wanted to be with Camilla. And he just saw her as this thing he had to kind of put up with when he really, his heart was in another place. And even though it couldn't have been less of Diana's fault, she he took it out on her. The family reported it to the press as a fall. Diana felt utterly helpless and alone, telling Morton. I knew it was wrong with me, but nobody else around me understood me. I needed breast and to be looked after in my house and for people to understand the torment and anguish going on in my head. It was a desperate cry for help. I'm not spoiled. I just needed to be allowed to adapt to my new position. As the pregnancy continued, Diana had to eventually be induced because she couldn't handle the pressure from the press. But before she could have the baby... They had to find a date in the diary that was convenient for Charles and his polo playing, according to Diana, her true story, in her own words. On June 21st, 1982, at 9.03 p.m., William Arthur Philip Louis was born via C-section after a tough labor. Polo playing? Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting <laughs> priorities. Yeah. She, I looked, and even from what I read, most things said they had never really announced when the actual due date was for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. So no one knew exactly how early this was that she mm-hmm. was being induced. It couldn't have been too terribly earlier. They they wouldn't have done it. And he seemed to be a, a good sized baby. But yeah, she just couldn't handle her every move being tracked going out because it's also even scarier when you're pregnant and you're nine months pregnant and you're wobbly and mm-hmm. you know i mean just thinking like if something were to happen like i can't just run and get away like i'm not as quick as i would be if i wasn't carrying this baby so if they're in the car trying yeah. to run you off yeah so i get it i get that she was like i just can't can't do this anymore The birth of a baby boy was not only a joyful event for the royal couple and family, but also for the entire country. 
thousands had been waiting in the rain outside St. Mary's Hospital in London for the big moment. Others gathered outside Buckingham Palace, where it was tradition for the handwritten birth announcement to be posted on the front gates. When it was finally announced the second heir to the throne would be a prince, the crowds erupted in cheers. The next morning, the royal couple posed outside the famous Lindo Wing doors at St. Mary's, giving the press the opportunity to capture the first images of the new family. This would become a tradition that most modern royals still honor today. Very iconic photo. Yes, I didn't realize that they were the first ones to do that. I didn't either. It was She was also the first royal to give birth in a hospital to an heir to the throne. Oh, versus at home? Yes. Uh, up until oh. then, they had all given birth it, at the at the palace, and she wanted to break tradition and not do that. Since then, Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle have both given birth at the hospital. So she oh. kind of set the tradition for a lot of more progressive things within the family Sounds that are like still it, yeah. done today, except Meghan and Harry did not do the traditional photo outside the hospital. They did a photo shoot two days later. And I don't imagine that they will with this one. No, probably not. No. They will be in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. or California. In the beginning, Charles reportedly loved the nursery life and feeding his newborn baby. Soon, though, work duties began to call, causing him to be gone more often. Meanwhile, Diana suffered from postpartum depression and continued to struggle with bulimia. Things became even worse when it came time for Prince William's christening. Diana recalls on the Morton tapes how no one took her or the young prince into account on the special day. Her opinion was never asked on the details of the event, including what time the christening would take place. Diana was simply told when she and the baby needed to be ready. Inconveniently, it was during his feeding time, resulting in a tear-filled ceremony. The footage of this was like an absolute nightmare. Total nightmare. The baby is screaming, Mm -hmm. and they'll put it in the arms of some royal... Yeah, not really a close family member, but mm-hmm. someone who's like, I'm going to get my photo with the baby. And the baby is screaming it's in It's hungry. Face. He's hungry and tired. Miserable. And th- they keep, and then they'll hand hand him back to Diana and she'll stick her finger, her little pinky in his mouth and he'll just start sucking. And that's what you do to pacify them if you can't feed them. And she said she, as usual, just tried to stay out of the way and not mm-hmm. <laughs> because she felt like a complete outsider. And- Imagine that feeling, and then Mm -hmm. you're like, I'd really love to go feed my newborn child who's starving. I mean, you just, you're, you hurt when they're hurting. If they're crying, you know, you just want to fix that. Instead, they got to take all these damn pictures for something she wasn't even consulted about. And everyone seemed frustrated at the baby crying, and I imagine as the mom, you think, yeah, yeah, I'd like for him not to be crying too, but Mm -hmm. you're making us both be here, and we don't want to be here. Yeah. So and we're all going to suffer. They're probably of you. also frustrated with her because somehow it's her fault. For sure. All the time. Mm-hmm. In April of 1983, the couple toured Australia. It was here where a new layer of problems arose. While Charles had grown accustomed to being the center of attention, the focus now seemed to be elsewhere. Hundreds of thousands of people were waiting for them, and they wanted to see Diana, not Charles. Diana's rapidly growing popularity came apparent, and this did not sit well with her husband. According to Diana, her true story in her own words, Diana said Charles became jealous and took it out on her. Yeah, apparently people in the crowd would go, oh man, we're on the wrong side. We're on the Charles side. Mm. We want to see Diana. We don't want to see you. (laughs) 
Sick and then burn. interviews with him in Australia, he says, "Well, I suppose there should be two of her and only one of me because that's who wants they. That's how many people want to see mm-hmm. her." You can, and he's kind of laughing about it, but he's not laughing about he, it. He he would try to make jokes on several occasions that would obviously you could hear and see the pain. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. like like all comedians. There's some pain <laughs> behind those jokes. Truth in comedy. Yes, and. He could not stand that they liked her more than him. What is it on Big Daddy? We wasted the good surprise on you. They're screaming and they're like, oh, it was Charles. We don't want to yell for you. We want to yell for Diana. But she tried to tell him, you know, you're the prince. Whoever you married would get a ton of attention, Mm -hmm. right? People would be looking at their outfits. They'd be looking at how they acted. And it would be it. But that's not true. We all know she was something special. Yeah. The way she connected to people, how down to earth she was. And because he was more aloof, I think people didn't connect with them and still don't. Man, I was watching a video on YouTube. First of all, thank you to our UK listeners who let me know that... They regard Charles as a wanker, a bit of a wanker. <laughs> but I was watching these YouTube videos, and man, in the comment section, it was a ton of people saying, skip Charles, he sucks. I don't feel a connection to him. He's trash. And I thought, well, YouTube, it can't be wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it was like that from day one. And it possibly, if he was a little bit more aloof and not as likable, jealousy is not a good look on anybody. So if he starts acting bitter and pissy and, you know, kind of, rude in some of these interviews that people know that like you understand that comes across and if you are diehard diehead like we are Mm -hmm. you would know that and make it would maybe make you more uh what's the word i'm looking for you're like more drawn to her because she's with this wanker Mm -hmm. you know what's really interesting to me and i meant to look it up why this is but the order of the heir to the throne I don't really understand because Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip mm-hmm. have ha- two sons, mm-hmm. Prince Charles, Prince Andrew, yes. who is a wanker sex for m- many reasons. Yes. What? Alleged, I, alleged sex predator. Yeah, don't sue me, sure. royal family. <laughs> what, I, what I'm not clear on is why the lineage goes Prince... Um, Prince Charles's kids before the other son to the king and queen. I believe in royal tradition, it is the first heir of the person who's already on the throne. So it's Queen Elizabeth's first heir, and then it goes to the first heir of Charles. And then Philip, or not Philip, Andrews lived his life as an understudy, right? He's the backup. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're a sibling, you're the backup, which I think maybe means, I think that's why he's kind of had a roustabout lifestyle, uh, because he's figures, A, I'm never going to get it because now not only is there Charles, but now Charles has two kids. Uh So it goes the lineage of the, and I was also reading about why Prince Philip isn't a king, even though he's married to the queen. Why is that? Because he, they got married after she was the queen. And you only become, and also he's not from the stock. It was a, it was a Wikipedia article. I didn't memorize it. All right. I don't know this stuff. <laughs> it's hard. I, I will read things. And then immediately I think I cannot explain what I just read. But I did get into, I started reading about his background and, you know, where he grew up and everything. It was interesting. Uh, but that it goes by the lineage. And so obviously Camilla would never be the queen. And, but she did get her, get a royal title. But then Kate, Middleton will be the queen, yeah. but she'll be called Queen something. It's got a special thing after it. Well, because Diana would have been a queen. 
But it's got a name after it. It will be Queen Catherine. Queen Consort. That's the word. Okay. Queen Consort. So, yes. Queen the, Consort Kate Middleton. Yes. As the wife of the re- reigning monarch, you are known as Queen Consort. Okay. But to most of the world, they'll call her Queen Catherine. But as Queen Consort, your job is to support the husband and the duties as queen. So it goes, the heir is, well, technically Prince Charles, but he's probably going to get skipped. So then it goes Prince William. And then it's, I forget their first kid's name. The boy. The boy, then Charlotte, then Louis. In that order. I believe that is correct. And then it would have to get- Prince George. George is the kid's name. George, yeah. So Harry will never get it. I think unless William is- Something happens to William. Yes, but Let's even hope. then, then it wouldn't go to William's kid. I believe that is correct. Again, so something like would backup. have to happen to that it's entire like, family. Which one? It's it's kind of like in the in the U.S. If the the president dies, then the vice president gets it, and then if the vice president dies, the speaker of the house, and it goes down from there. So, what there's a but order what, of succession. What's interesting is that kids can jump ahead in line of older kids, like yeah. William's kids will be above Harry, even yes. though Harry, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like um, Charles's kids got bumped up in the line ahead of the actual offspring of the king and queen. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's interesting. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of messages about why this is, but. Yeah. An explanation. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. They stripped Diana of her title, so. They did. Yeah. That's I'm true. Still, I'm still bitter. Diana said in Morton's book that the years between William and Harry being born were total darkness. I blocked it out. Such pain. By then, Charles was incredibly jealous of Diana and they had grown apart. Diana told Morton. One minute I was nobody and the next minute I was Princess of Wales, mother, media toy, member of this family, you name it. And it was just too much for one person at that time. However, the impending birth of a new baby can do wondrous things. And for a time, it did just that for Diana and Charles. In the six weeks leading up to the birth of their second son, she and Charles were the closest they had ever been. Photographs show her cheering on her husband at polo matches and kissing him on the lips, looking quite smitten. Yeah, it's it's such a strange set of pictures to see. It smiling is. at each other versus a lot of the other photos, especially even before the kid was born or even when William is really small. They look, again, sort of bitter and irritated with one another and yeah he was i mean she tried really hard too and she always said she just wanted him to say good job i'm proud of you and he mm-hmm. never said it mm-hmm. she she learned welsh yeah to give a speech in welsh and he wouldn't even say i'm proud of you so you can imagine somebody she said anytime i tried to rise up he would crush me back down mm. so that's in her voice you notice she's very she's kind of down her her language is down she's quiet soft-spoken until later and you can imagine that that's what it being in an let's just say it, an abusive relationship will do that to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But for this, and again, an abusive relationship, sometimes things seem like they're great. That's true. Yes. And, you know, as maybe like in any regular relationship, you're like, oh, we have a baby coming. What a Mm -hmm. wonderful thing to look forward to. And things get better for a while. But just like in with the peasants, it usually doesn't last. Doesn't save it. Their second son. Henry Charles Albert David was born at 4.20 p.m. on September 15, 1984. Throughout the pregnancy, Diana knew the baby would be a boy, and knowing Charles wanted a girl, didn't tell him. 
According to Diana, her true story in her own words, upon seeing his second son, Charles said, Oh, God, it's a boy. But later, Harry grew closer to Charles than William. He was also apparently irritated that Harry had red hair, which was a, quote, uniquely Spencer family trait. And that he, oh. all he wanted was a girl. And when a redheaded boy came out, he was irritated. He said, oh, God, it's got red hair, too. It's just, God, monster. P.S. This is your newborn son. And this lady just had him for yes. you. You're welcome. This is yeah. your beautiful baby. Also, he's half you, dipshit. Yeah, yeah. So he's you're insulting so yourself. <laughs> he was such a cute baby. He was oh, a cute baby. He's, and he's, he's such a cute boy. Uh, he's, he's a good looking man. <laughs> grew into a handsome gentleman. Very they just named fine. This whole Twitter thing happened recently where they, they, as in the nebulous universe, a quote, a study came out that Prince William was the handsomest bald man alive. First of all. All right. No, <laughs> he's just not. First <laughs> I'm of all, trying to think of other bald, bald men. They were listing Jason Statham, The Rock, sometimes, uh, sometimes. Yeah, The Rock's uh, real hot. God, his his TikTok and Instagram. His TikTok's Shut real up. good. His TikTok's but real good. Apparently, I learned that it was a hair implant company used Google searches, and they typed in Prince William Sexy, and the most Google searches came up. But when you search Google, it doesn't have to have all those words on the page. So because there were more articles about Prince William than these other people on the list, they deemed it that he was the sexiest bulb. It was to... All that to say it was... Uh, that seems like not really solid non science. Not scientific, yeah, methods yeah. there to determine. So people said it was a... Uh, but it did achieve its goal, which was to get more clicks to that website for that hair implant company. Oh, no, there you go. Stanley Tucci took umbrage with it. He felt like he was hotter. Oh, <laughs> I think I've told you that I have a thing for Stanley Tucci, haven't I? Well, I, I don't... Maybe. I don't know. I, I do like him, though. I... He... there. I don't know what it is. There's something about him. Is he in the Princess Diaries? Um, yes, I think so. Is no, he the one? He's in the other one. He's in Devil Wears Prada. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, he's he could get it. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> Almost immediately after the birth of Harry, Diana and Charles's marriage completely fell apart. She continued to struggle with bulimia and began seeing doctors. Diana recalled to Dr. Colthurst during their secret interviews that the queen indicated to Diana that her bulimia was what was causing the marriage problems. Diana believed that rather than causing the problems, her eating disorder was a symptom of the unhappy marriage. You're getting cheated on. You're getting disrespected. You're getting pushed down emotionally. And then you have the audacity to struggle with it in an unhealthy way. And your own mother-in-law slash probably the most powerful person in your country basically says, it's kind of your fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she knew because Charles told her. Yes. So then uh, some things just don't need to be shared with the entire family, but I think they don't really have boundaries like that. Mm -mm. And he also, Charles went to his dad and was all pissed off that he was having to marry Diana and he wanted to be with Camilla, but also, you know, be a bachelor still. And his father supposedly said, if it doesn't, Give it five years, and if it doesn't work out, you can d get divorced and have your bachelor life back. So, wow, everyone knew from the beginning this is doomed. <laughs> Nobody wants to be doing this, but I'll be damned if anyone said, you know what, then maybe we should just call this off. Yeah, let's let her be free and live her life. Mm -hmm. 
Diana was isolated and never leaned on anyone, not family or friends. When she sought support from her husband, he became irritated and dismissive. Five years into the marriage, in a desperate plea to be seen and heard, Diana took a penknife in Charles's office and scratched herself down her chest and both thighs. As she stood there, bleeding, Charles did nothing, according to Diana, her true story, in her own words. I think, too, for at least if you're in a bad relationship, it's one thing if you're fighting and there's passion, but it's hard when you are asking to be recognized, seen, given a shit about, and mm-hmm. he just stares at you. There's nothing more infuriating to me than wanting some kind of validation, reaction, and you are just treated like you're not even worth that. Mm-hmm. And she said in those tapes later that when she was a kid and dreamt about her future husband, she said, oh, I dreamt it would be sort of a father figure, somebody that was very caring, somebody that would take care of me and would say, job well done and would make sure I had everything I needed. And this is the literal opposite. Mm-hmm. It's somebody that never says job well done. And when she clearly needs a lot and stare, stands there, stares at her and probably then goes hunting with his lady. Yeah, this is what I mean. He, I think he just thought she was dramatic and they're having an argument. She picks up this pin knife starts cutting herself and it just irritates him that Mm -hmm. now I've got to deal with this. You're just a big drama queen. You're doing this for attention. You're so selfish. He would tell her she's selfish all the time. Mm -hmm. She is standing there to take to Mm self-harm that, I mean, full stop. You need help. You need to talk to someone. You need to be, you know, uh, of all the people, your partner should be the one to get you that help and, and be mm-hmm. there for you. And she just, nothing she did. She's crying out to him any way she can. She's throwing herself down the stairs. She's cutting herself with things just to get him to notice her. And he just refuses. And it's five years into marriage, by the God way. So they, damn. she's been suffering for over five years at this point, but at least at the very minimum five years. Yeah. And she said the next day her sister came over for something and she was wearing a v-neck shirt and her sister said what happened to your chest and she was like it's nothing she was no tell me and she told her what happened and her sister said diana you can't let this side of you be seen mm-hmm. and she Not, said do you need help no and she said give me some credit i haven't burdened you or the family once in five years with what's been going on mm-hmm. and they had no idea and she said in these interviews once they found out, you know, that he was so dismissive and neglectful that they were annoyed, I believe is the word she used. So at least, you know, once they kind of saw what was going on, they had a change of heart. But even her own family, they see, if you see Cover that you're, yeah, if Cover the, it up. that had happened, but wasn't the case. The two shining lights for Diana in an otherwise dark world were her sons, William and Harry. In Diana, our mother, her life and legacy, the brothers recall how their mothers strived for them to have as much of a normal childhood as they possibly could. She would take them out for burgers and to the movies and regularly attended their football matches. It was at these matches that Harry recalls his mom would sneak in armfuls of sweets under her clothes, saying, Our mother was a total kid through and through. She seemed like such a, I mean, in up until the kids are of age where, you know, they're toddlers and they're going out and doing stuff, 
she seems miserable in all her photos. Mm -hmm. The pictures with her kids, night and day. She's glowing. She is. It's a light is just radiating from her. She Mm -hmm. has a genuine, huge smile. They were everything to her. Mm -hmm. And she was, that's what they said. She was kind of a big kid and she would love to run and play and do everything they were doing. And Mm -hmm. they kept showing in that our mother, her life and legacy on HBO max. They were showing that footage of her going down in the log flume mm-hmm. with them and getting sprayed with water. She's got this, uh, satin hard rock cafe jacket on and hair is going with the water in it. And she's cracking up laughing and the boys are laughing and the security guard that had to ride with them is also <laughs> laughing. And just, you can tell having a ball and a blast and loving being with her kids and just being a mom. And mm-hmm. there's pictures of them. Obviously the paparazzi would try to catch them sneaking into movie theaters. And he mm-hmm. said she would just, do everything she could to make them laugh and had a there's videos of her practicing she worked with a acting coach and vocal coach to become basically take her voice back and become a better orator and she definitely and after she worked with him went from a very oh yes kind of quiet to you recognize how she makes mm-hmm. the speeches and it's because she worked with them and he has these behind the scenes footage of her practicing for tv interviews you know he sits her down and he says this is how you look don't look straight at the camera i'm gonna ask you questions that i know you're gonna get asked and you hear the background can we come in mommy can we come in and she's like if you come in you've got to sit down and be quiet sit over there and be quiet and so they're and she's joking around and he says mom the camera's on they can see you take two take two try again and she's cracking up laughing and they're just they're just cutting up and getting along Mm -hmm. and i think it really does show that and I think it shows too that whole documentary how much of their mom they've got in her. Both oh, the boys. Oh yeah, the Loving. documentary is. I cried. It's emotional. It's so emotional. It's very emotional. It's very well done. But yeah, they. Um, I not only were they her kids, but I think she finally had friends. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I mean, she had. I mean, of course, they're her kids first, but they she had somebody that she. Two people that she genuinely enjoyed spending time with, that yes. she could now go do things with. And she didn't really have that before. It no, didn't she, seem like. It shows, too, the laugh that she does in the this basically never-before-seen footage of her acting coach. It is remarkably different than any other laugh. She has a very, like, ha, ha, ha. And that, she's like, ha! It's yeah. Just, it's very free and open. And it was so nice to see that, that she mm-hmm. had this great, relationship with their kids and they were like you said they were her everything Mm -hmm. william fondly recalled her wicked and sometimes crass sense of humor she would send him cards while he was away at school that he dared not open in front of classmates not knowing what cheeky content might be inside on the documentary he recalls one of his fondest teenage memories from when he turned 13 years old in 1995 when I came home from school, she organized to have Cindy Crawford, Christy Turlington, and Naomi Campbell waiting at the top of the stairs. I was probably a 12, 13-year-old boy who had posters of them on his wall, and I went bright red, and I didn't know quite what to say and sort of fumbled. I think I pretty much fell down the stairs on the way up. I was completely and utterly sort of awestruck. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's such a good joke. It's she so And good. then, I mean, that's so awesome. And then also... One of the the head chefs said he went to open the refrigerator and he said there was the biggest set of boobs I've ever seen in the refrigerator. She'd ordered William for his 13th birthday a huge cake of boobs, a <laughs> set of boobs. And it was just in the refrigerator. And she's very the cheeky. chef was like, what is this? And they're like, that's for William. He's like, oh, yeah, she was. She she had a very um, 
not bathroom humor even just like kind of raunchy sense of humor Mm -hmm. and yeah she god if you're the princess of wales that's not something you get to um (laughs) show often it's true but with two with two young boys i mean they struck the uh they won the lottery with that and a mom while it was later remembered it was actually claudia schiffer not cindy crawford that had made the surprise appearance william still cherishes the memory telling the documentarians that's lived with me forever about her loving and embarrassing and sort of you know being being sort of the joker apparently cindy crawford came to tea one easter at the so he got to meet all the supermodels sorry you had so many world famous (laughs) supermodels visiting you that you confused who surprised you at your 13th birthday and who came for tea at easter Mm -hmm. sorry Mm -hmm. about that Like most mothers, Diana was also fiercely protective of her children, especially when it came to the press. Footage on the Nat Geo doc shows one ski trip with her boys, where the press was unrelenting. Fed up, Diana approached one paparazzo and asked, as a mother, for them to let her family enjoy their vacation in peace. The cameras often upset William and Harry, and she had already posed for a scheduled photo shoot earlier that morning. Now, she wanted to enjoy a relaxing lunch with her kids— when the paparazzo told her he would leave her alone if she just gave him one more picture, she said, Absolutely not. And walked off. This is pretty badass, this mm-hmm. footage. They're having lunch at the ski lift. This guy's just will not let up. And she just gets up and walks, I mean, just staring him dead in the eyes, walks up to him, puts her hand up on his camera. And I'm like, oh, she's about to go off. But she's very calm still. She is. Could you please? We're just trying to yeah, enjoy Yeah, and she's ski. like, as a mother. I mean, she says that. As mm-hmm. a mother, can you please just let... Because especially William, the cameras would kind of scare them. Mm-hmm. And they scheduled, as they would do on these uh, vacations or holiday, is they would schedule a, a press outing. Mm-hmm. So the press could get all their pictures. And it was kind of the deal what they made with them. From these this time to this time, take all the pictures you want and then leave us alone. And so they had already done all that that morning. So they were supposed to be off limits. And this guy just wasn't having it. Mm-mm. And it's like, what? Why do you need this picture? Yeah. What What tabloid is? I mean, I guess you want to be like, I was the only one that got them at lunch or whatever. But also have a heart and be a human being that. And she's uh, there alone, obviously. Mm-hmm. The, Charles isn't there. The kids are upset. <sighs> I think that's it's, why I couldn't be a celebrity. I can't deal with all, all oh, not having any privacy, being hunted. But the they mm-hmm. got paid so much for the photos, and maybe you wouldn't get paid a lot for a plain picture of them skiing. But I wonder if, as a paparazzo, you're in your head almost like chasing a gambling high, where you think, "But I could be there when William falls and maybe he breaks a tooth, and I'm mm. the only one that has the photo of him doing that." So I'm yeah. going to sit here and hunt them because I'm going to be the one that sees that one thing. Sure. But that's that's a sick way to live because there's a human being on the other side of that lens. What's that movie that's kind of like that, but it's about the the news people that go after car crashes? Is it Jake Gyllenhaal movie? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know the name of it, but I know Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. <laughs> that's, it's the same thing. I mean, you're just like, want to be the first on the scene before... Um, medics or anything get there so you can get those gruesome pictures and sell them for a ton of money Uh diana's popularity with the public had reached all new heights 
the country was absolutely enamored with her. Known as the People's Princess, she was on the cover of the newspapers daily. The public saw her as warm, compassionate, natural, unpretentious, and a breath of fresh air to the often stuffy royal family. As the couple traveled the world, people would go absolutely wild when they saw the new Princess of Wales. Diana called it... Marilyn Monroe publicity. That's... I, she was bigger than Marilyn Monroe. Oh, I think so. I mean, <laughs> the way that people lined the streets and mm-hmm. screamed. There's one shot of them in D.C. Mm-hmm. And there were people over a block away, but behind a barricade, but to the point where they could see her get out of a, a car and walk into whatever building. And you, I mean, it was Elvis, the Beatles. They were just screaming themselves, crying. That's her. That's her. Taking pictures with her old school, you know, film cameras. Mm-hmm. Just trying to say, I was there when she was, we breathed the same air. Yeah. I think that's the one where the woman is saying, please look over here, please. Mm -hmm. Oh, it'll make my life if you just Mm -hmm. look over here. They said when they had William and they did the iconic photo outside, there was probably 20 press, five news stations, you know, 30 paparazzi or whatever. When Kate and William presented George to the world on the same steps, they had to block off miles of the street because, I mean, the pictures are insane. Just thousands of press there and people that live there, just, you know, everybody with their phone lined up. There was a guy called, um, the Queen calls him the Union Jack man, who he, I think he's like 85 and he's loves the royals and he's tries to go to every one of the events they have and he was there for all the birth of the presenting of the births and everything and he's like it's just it's it's such a good thing for our country for a baby to be born and that's how so many of them look at it that Mm -hmm. this is it's not just them that this is happening to it's it's all of us and that's i think why the royals feel this duty to present the baby and let everyone in on their personal lives because that's what they're they're these heroes and icons to so many people that kind of live vicariously through them and look at them as a uh, kind of what's the word i'm looking for uh measuring stick as to how things are going in their country if we have a good looking prince and a good looking wife and they're healthy and they're doing good for the country Mm -hmm. where it's a good reflection back on them i think it for in this case why diana is so iconic because like you said they have a duty they are the monarch they're in theory in charge of these you know their subjects but the way diana interacted with people you know she didn't wear gloves Mm -hmm. so it sets this other standard whereas before it was we are here to present you with a baby. We're going to follow the steps of the proper procedure that we've done with every other thing. And it was, this is the way it has always been. And Diana said, no, nah, I'm going to go shake their hands. Get out of the way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go hug them. And there's video, there's footage of an older guy. He's maybe in his 70s, sitting in a lawn chair and obviously mm-hmm. had been waiting. And she's just kneeled down talking to him. And he is sobbing. Yeah. And he's just going, I love you so much. I love you so much. I love you so much. And it's so meaningful to him. And she's just going, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And she had that closeness. And I think that's so, like we said in the last one, this is like a good brand ambassador for you. Why would you turn on her? Yeah. She's drawing more people in. Mm-hmm. Well, while the entire world was enamored with the Princess of Wales, her husband was not. 
Her increasing popularity seemingly caused him to resent her even more, further driving a wedge between them. He also continued to show no compassion for her physical and mental health. During one of their final tours as a couple in Canada, Diana fainted during a public appearance. She had been on her feet all day, was exhausted, and had not kept any food down for days. Those around the princess were, of course, concerned. That is everyone but her husband. Instead, Charles was furious with Diana for not having fainted in private, away from the spectators and press. He also insisted she go out that night, even though Diana pleaded to stay in and get some much-needed rest. But Charles wouldn't have it, telling their staff, She must go out tonight, otherwise there's going to be a sense of terrific trauma and they're going to think there's something awfully wrong with her. Apparently, also, she said, when... She would eat a big meal, even when she was trying to say, okay, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to go ahead and eat and get my nourishment. He would say, are we going to see that later? What a waste. Yikes. Yeah. Not just I'm aware of your bulimia and I'm ignoring it, but I'm actively mocking you. Wow. Are we going to see that later? What a waste. Wow. Oh, God. To cope with the media and pressure of life in the public eye. Diana said she had a conversation with herself where she told herself she had to stop fighting everything and instead approach it at a different angle. She decided to take her attention and role and use it responsibly, diving into her humanitarian work with a new resolve. Yeah, she, I think they were at Balmoral and William and Harry were playing mm-hmm. in the stream and she said she just gave herself a pep talk and was like, this is your life. You got you to gotta go with the stream. You, at some point, if you say... There's no getting out of this. Mm-hmm. Resistance is futile. Yes. You, swim, with the, you know, swim with the tide. <laughs> yes. One of the first issues Diana tackled as a working royal was homelessness in the UK. Photos in the documentary Diana, Our Mother, Her Life and Legacy show the princess with her young sons, William and Harry, at The Passage, a homeless shelter in London. William first visited at age 12 a visit that was so impactful he continues to visit the residents of the passage to this very day, carrying on the important work his mother started. One of the parts I cried at. Oh, so impo- so powerful. He's sitting, I mean, he's just sitting down with them, the residents of this homeless shelter, just a normal person. You wouldn't, if you didn't know who he was and you walked in, you would just think, oh, there's a nice looking man in a in a slacks and a shirt sitting there, but... He mm-hmm. just seemed very um, at ease and comfortable. He talked to them about their children, remembered some of them from before and would ask how, how they were doing. And one of the residents said, every time he comes in here, I just feel like we're just sitting at the pub having a pint. Like, because mm-hmm. that's how, you know, just affable he was with them and, and how warm he was. And he gets that from her. I know. I was crying. I was like, that is Diana. That is mm-hmm. 100%. That is her legacy is that she's got now two Kids that have changed the way this family operates. She she shook it up. She changed it. They are with the people down there shaking hands, no gloves, having and a pint, you know? I love that they continued that. Mm-hmm. Arguably, Diana's biggest legacy was the work she did to help raise awareness to the AIDS epidemic at the time. One of the most famous moments was in April of 1987, when Diana visited Middlesex Hospital's AIDS ward. By then, Diana was known for hugging those who were ill or elderly. There was discussion of whether she would wear gloves when shaking hands with the AIDS patients. Fear and misinformation surrounded the illness at the time. Many mistakenly believed that the virus could be contracted by shaking hands with a person that had it. 
determined to help decrease the misinformation and stigma surrounding the disease. The princess walked in and greeted the patients warmly, as she would anyone else. She hugged one patient and sat beside him as she held his hand. She said of the encounter, It was wonderful. It made him laugh. John O'Reilly, a nurse at the hospital when Diana visited, told the BBC, This was Diana, Princess of Wales, coming in gloveless and shaking our patients' hands as well as ours. It was very moving. Today, her son, Prince Harry, carries on his mother's work through his charity, Sintabali, a mental health charity for children and young people affected by AIDS in Botswana and Malawi. It's pretty powerful in that documentary, too, to see him accepting an award on behalf of his mother. He goes with Rihanna. Mm -hmm. And um, it was it was a big press moment because they're both seen getting AIDS tests and they were just really trying to normalize it and i read that after that aired the at-home tests went up by um one a household to five a household like it it really did work and i just love that both of her sons took the thing she was most passionate about and said Mm -hmm. we're not gonna let this die and they still do the anti-landmine work as well and that Mm -hmm. was a couple of people that she had met when they were kids who had been impacted by landmines and lost limbs said, there were times I wanted to kill myself, but I remembered I talked to your mom and she mm-hmm. told me every day is a new day. It'll be a bright future. And that's why I held on. And I was just crying. <laughs> that's like, a you know, you want to say it's a throw, not a throwaway thing. I, I believe she genuinely meant it. And it was a genuine connection that she made at that time. But it was one single sentence that literally changed a person's life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible. It really is. And the fact that Harry still goes back and meets with those people. I love it. Did you know that he and Megan, after the, the snow, I think, was it Snowpocalypse at the roof to yes, the Genesis, Genesis Women's Shelter, which is a domestic violence shelter here in Dallas that I'm very passionate about. I donate to them all the time. But the roof got ruined and they purchased them a new roof. I don't yeah, even know they- how they would know about that, but that's incredible. I think someone tagged somebody on Instagram, but yeah, they, the Archwell Foundation, they, they basically saw that it was the first time in Genesis Women's Shelter history that they had to evacuate people, that they couldn't take, they had to, you know, move them to hotels and things yeah. like that, that they couldn't house them there. And it was such a big deal. They just wrote a check for the whole, everyone's like, we'll have a GoFundMe and see if we can help raise money for the roof. Nope. Done. Ar- Amazing. Yeah, Archwell took care of it. So nice. While Diana was finding purpose and fulfillment through her humanitarian work, her marriage left her feeling completely empty. On the Morton tapes, she openly discussed the lack of intimacy between her and her husband, and how when they did have sex, it was very odd. It was also no secret that Charles and Camilla continued to have a relationship. Most damning, Diana found a cache of letters where Camilla called Charles, My most precious darling. According to Diana, her true We haven't heard the Camilla impression yet. I have a certain opinion. (laughs) I like it. I like it. It's my artistic interpretation. I appreciate it. I imagine very odd is exactly how that sex life would be. Man, set my penis into you now. (laughs) All right. I guess. Um, Yeah. I can't imagine there was much foreplay. Uh, Definitely not chemistry or... Uh, lust just let's Uh, get the job done if i take a minute to think about charles prince of wales nude body my vagina (laughs) slams shut like a bear trap (laughs) 
And I can only imagine being presented with it in person. No. So bless her heart. She said that it was kind of um, (laughs) not really a miracle, but kind of that Harry and William were even conceived (laughs) because, you know, it's just... But she she did say they did say if you sit on a toilet seat it can happen. That's so. true. Yeah, or you <laughs> swim in a pool after. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, she said that he didn't pressure her at all, and that about once every three weeks is when it would come up. It's and the then third she, Thursday. <laughs> I suppose it's time. <laughs> she said she realized she started tracking it to when they before they got married he would see Camilla every three weeks so it's like she's like what i took from that was he got used to getting laid every three weeks and so every three weeks uh little prince charles was like it's time raise it up like a flagpole my god yeah who knew all right well there you go more uh information about prince charles's ween than i ever wanted Mm. to think about Mm mm-hmm Over the course of their marriage, Diana had confronted Charles several times about his affair with Camilla. Charles, however, saw nothing wrong with his infidelity, saying on one occasion, I refuse to be the only Prince of Wales who never had a mistress. According to Showbiz Cheat Sheet, Diana then decided to take a different approach. In 1989, Camilla Parker Bowles threw her sister a lavish 40th birthday party. Diana decided to show up unannounced, surprising both Charles and Camilla. Even more surprising was when Diana boldly interjected herself into a conversation between Charles, Camilla, and another man. On the Morton tapes, Diana recalled saying to the men, Okay, boys, I'm just going to have a quick word with Camilla and I'll uh, be up in a minute. Diana then added that the men shot upstairs like chickens with no heads. I could feel upstairs all hell breaking loose. What is she going to do? I get joy thinking about how stressed out Charles was in this moment. Oh, yes. I mean, also, she said beforehand, she said, I psyched myself up something awful. I decided I was not going to kiss her on the cheek anymore. Mm -hmm. I was going to. So she said she walks in and she said she stuck her hand out and shook her hand and she said, all right, step one, done. Mm -hmm. And then when they're up there at the party, she said, hmm, where's my husband? Step two, got her. Yeah. <laughs> Corners are downstairs. And and everyone because everyone knew that they were having an affair. Mm-hmm. It was this huge open secret. And so they all said to her, Diana, don't go down there. Don't, don't go, go down, down there. there. And she's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to look for my husband. Mhm. Yeah, she And Charles I, apparently needled her on the way there saying, "Why are you even yes, going? Yeah, you don't I, even want to go." I think she was invited, but she had said I'm not coming, and then she mm-hmm. decided, "No, I'm going." And had the driver take her. And he, the whole way there, was mad about why she was coming. Mm-hmm. You don't even want to go. Why don't you stay home? I got a reason. I yeah. Got a reason. Diana was admittedly terrified of Camilla, but said she remained deathly calm during the conversation. She said to Camilla, I know it's going on between you and Charles, and I just want you to know that. At first, Camilla acted like she had no idea what Diana was talking about. However, after a few moments, she all but admitted the affair, saying to Diana, You've got everything you ever wanted. You've got all the men in the world fall in love with you, and you've got two beautiful children. What more do you want? To this, Diana replied, I want my husband. She then added, I'm sorry I'm in the way, and it must be hell for both of you, but I do know what's going on. Don't treat me like an idiot. Mike, drop. <laughs> to apologize 
for that's i mean what a selfless person mm-hmm. i mean she's pissed off but she's also like because the way she recounted it on the tapes it didn't sound like she was being snarky it Mm-mm. sounded like she was genuinely saying i know that this sucks for both of you because mm-hmm. i'm here but don't act like I'm a moron. It's mm-hmm. everyone in this in this house knows that you t- two guys are boning. Yeah, don't don't treat. I like the way she said, "Don't treat me like an idiot." And she just mm-hmm. cornered her. And I think Camilla was probably shocked because she had been Diana had been chin down, not saying anything at least openly. And nope, not no more. Happy birthday, sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Following a night filled with fighting and tears with Charles. Diana said she woke the next morning, feeling as if something had shifted inside of her. I'd done something, said what I felt, still the old jealousy and anger swilling around, but it wasn't so deathly as it had been before. I get it. You got Mm -hmm. it off your chest. And this was, gosh, how many years in the making at this point? Yeah, 89, so almost eight, eight, nine years in your marriage. Yeah, That you finally have said some things. God, that's got to feel good. Fine. Rip the Band-Aid off. Mm Mm-hmm. But still did it so classy. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't slap her and didn't throw water in her face. No. Didn't throw a drink in her face. According to the documentary, The Life and Loves of Diana Spencer, Diana was alleged to have been involved with several men over the years herself. One was Major James Hewitt, a tank commander in the Gulf War. Another was an old friend, James Gilby. There were rumors the princess had an affair with Will Carling, a rugby player, and Oliver Hall, a handsome art dealer. She also dated Dr. Hasnit Khan, who she called Natty, a brilliant heart surgeon. Diana's long-term butler, Paul Burrell, called Dr. Khan the love of Diana's life in the documentary, Diana, the Royal Truth. The two broke up after two years, but were on the verge of reconciling in the days before her death. Let's go to each of these guys. Major James Hewitt was a riding instructor, and that she, her... People around her, bodyguard and and personal assistants and everything, said that that was really the first time they dated from like 86 to 91, dated, had an affair, a clandestine affair, (laughs) but that she was getting attention, affection. I believe he went on to write a tell-all book, which is hurtful. Yikes. But some people tried to say, because he had red hair, that he secretly Prince Harry's Mm. dad, but they didn't meet until Harry was already two years old. So debunk that one. It's not how science works. And then Gilby, they I think it's called Squibby Gate. There was some tapes of them yes. talking to each other that was very dramatic. And then rugby player, boring. Uh, he was just a famous rugby player. The handsome Probably art dealer. Hot, though. Oh yeah, the handsome art dealer. His wife apparently bankrolled his life, and when she found out, she said, "Nah, you're not doing that." And so Oliver Hall had to break it off. And then Hasnat Khan was the was the one that pa- Paul Burrell, Diana the Royal Truth, loved it. Huge Paul Burrell fan now after watching that. (laughs) He was her ride or die BFF. Mm -hmm. And he said that that was really the one that she just, she fell head over heels for. Yeah. Sad. Sad, sad. Also, I don't know. Is it ever uh, justified to cheat on someone? Maybe if you've been being cheated on your entire marriage and you finally say, fuck it, I've had enough. I think think you've established think you're good to go yeah it's a norm it's a norm of the relationship get it girl the media had speculated for years that the marriage between diana and charles was collapsing on december 9th 1992 their suspicions were finally confirmed when british prime minister john major announced the formal separation for the royal couple the announcement came just months after andrew morton's book diana her true story came out 
which shone a light on the loveless marriage she had been experiencing for years. Also watched an interview with Andrew Morton, his publisher, and James Colehurst on how they called themselves the co-conspirators, on how they got the book done, and how Morton would, basically, she told Colehurst, I want to tell my story. He found Andrew Morton. He knew him as a pretty Diana-friendly freelance royal reporter. And then they went to pitch the book to the publisher who's like, this is not legitimate. There's no way. You're a scam artist. But when they took the, the tape recorder and had her voice answering Andrew Morton's questions, the publisher said, oh, shit, this is real. <laughs> this is it. And went with it. But they said Colehurst would ride his bicycle with all the either the, the papers with the questions in it or the tape recorder in the basket. And he always thought, man, I really hope I don't fall down and drop these because if I fall down and hit my head, someone's going to take this tape recorder and get oh, the juiciest gosh. details. Because yeah. at the time, people didn't know she was the secret insider source. Mm-hmm. So then they took all the tapes, wrote them into a manuscript, and they gave her the manuscript to edit. So she would mark off where if she had maybe said something one way and she wanted to change it. And he, as he was driving away from Kensington Palace with a Diana handwritten marked up copy of the manuscript he hit a pothole in front of the house of commons and the papers flew out of his bicycle <laughs> basket oh, no. and he said he parked he threw his bike down and started running into the street to save all the papers and because manuscripts you clip them with a paper clip uh-huh. so they just psh, went flying and so he said i got everything back at the basket and i thought okay that was a close call that's the only time this is gonna happen it's like ever since then he i'm like be really careful i guess you yeah. just get loose where you're like well we've done it this far you know this well so far but it was very, it's cool kind of secret impossible or mission impossible mm-hmm. secret mission they were on uh, that she, nobody knew it was her. No, and the royals, the palace came out and made an official statement saying she had nothing to do with it. LOL. And th- this was all allegations and a bunch of lies and, and everything. And little did they know, well, they, they learned later. Mm-hmm. Fucking got him. Over the next five years, Diana focused on her humanitarian efforts. She was passionate about anti-landmine missions, HIV and AIDS work, and working with cancer charities. At the urging of the Queen, the couple agreed on the terms of their divorce in July of 96. According to History.com, Diana was allowed to keep her apartments at Kensington Palace and her title of Princess of Wales, as long as she agreed to relinquish any future claims to the British throne and the title of Her Royal Highness. The title separates the royal family from the rest of British nobility. The loss of the title meant that Diana would have to curtsy to those with the title, including her ex-husband, her ex-in-laws, and even her own sons, according to Reader's Digest. That's a big fuck you. Oh, man. Can you imagine having to curtsy to your ex-husband? Nah, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I think (laughs) I'd just try and avoid... (laughs) I would say avoid where he is but she was still a working royal when they divorced mm-hmm. i mean obviously he's gonna agree to keep his duties and everything and all the engagements he's been signed up for but so did she she mm-hmm. wanted to continue you know all of her charity work so there's gonna be a time where you're gonna have to curtsy to your ex-husband yikes yeah yeah in the divorce diana's once large staff was reduced to three a housekeeper cook and dresser. Paul Burrell, the couple's former butler, was one of the staff members. Remaining devoted to Diana, Burrell took it upon himself to go above and beyond, becoming Diana's driver, personal assistant, confidant, and more. 
Yeah, apparently he initially worked for Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Then he went to go work for Charles and Diana. And when they went to get a divorce, Charles said, take a sheet of paper and write down whatever you want. And I don't even care. And she wrote Paul as the very first thing. And he said, you can't have Paul. He's been with our family forever. And she said, you can say you said I could have whatever I want. And that's the number one thing I want. And Paul went and worked with her. And he was married. But then later on, he came out and he said on a British talk show that she was the first person he ever came out to. And that he said he would always be like, ma'am, how may I help you? Good morning. And she would be like, oh, shut up. Come over here and have coffee with me. (laughs) Sit down. She's like, give me the dish. What's been going on? Mm -hmm. And he said it, it was very different at first to be like uh i used to work for the queen where i had to bow and curtsy when she mm-hmm. came in and not curtsy but i had to bow when she came in and now i'm chilling having coffee yeah like a lot of a different very different and he would bring her uh dates in the trunk of his car so oh. that the paparazzi wouldn't see them yeah that's at first i div- thought you meant the fruit oh <laughs> and i was like <laughs> it's a lot of dates yeah, but as someone who likes dates, I was like, oh, that's nice. He's Damn. bringing her dates. <laughs> but yeah, that's, you have to be devoted to go on a date to say, I'm going to kidnap style, put you in the back of this car. <laughs> Around November 1996, Diana pinned a letter to Paul. In it, she wrote, This particular phase of my life is the most dangerous. My husband is planning an accident in my car. Brake failure and serious head injury in order to make the path clear for him to marry Tiggy. Camilla is nothing but a decoy. The letter referred to Alexandra Tiggy Legbork, nicknamed Mrs. Tiggywinkle, after the Beatrix Potter character. Tiggy was the beloved nanny to William and Harry. She and Charles had a close relationship, too. According to Shadows of a Princess by P.D. Jepson, Diana's former equerry, The princess developed an increasingly lurid fantasy picture of Tilly's private life. No man in the prince's entourage was safe from her, including the prince himself. Tiggy called William and Harry her babies and remains close to Diana's sons to this day. She has been seen at the royal weddings and christenings. Burrell made this letter public in 2007. The words allegedly written by the princess would later be chilling. I mean, you can see it. It's comparing the letter, and it's on the Kensington Palace stationery, to the markup she made on the manuscript. That's... In my opinion, as a non-expert handwriting analyst, it's the same handwriting. And some people have come out, including those close to her, saying that Burrell forged it. That he knew how to to write in her handwriting. And, you know, apparently, according to him, Diana said, I'm dating this. So in the event you ever have, you know, hold on to this in the event something happens, I'm dating this. So you they can see, you know, um, that I I was on to the whole situation. Who's to say who, I don't know. Oh, I don't know what his motive would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also weird that Tiggy's never referenced before. Yeah, the only, I mean, if you see, you look up articles, but it's not, uh, he because I don't think Charles was really having an affair with her. I think they got along, and I think the kids yeah. loved her. She was very, I mean, she's, like I said, she's still around to this day. But in 99, she married some other guy. She moved off to Wales. They said she runs an Airbnb now, which I want to stay at. Yeah. And uh, she, but I will say about Paul Burrell, he said in his Diana of Royal Life, or whichever one is his documentary, it's literally just interviewing him. Uh, he's like, she died in an accident. It's an accident. Yeah. He said yeah. she she was paranoid. The letter was just, you know, she was just saying that. So it's not like he released it like, this is the smoking gun that Prince Charles right. and the royal family murdered her. I think it was just because he initially had revealed it without the name, with the names blurred out. Yeah, he's come out and said, I know the royal family and have worked with them for years. And I 
not in a million years think that they had her killed mm-hmm. charles would have never taken her away from from the boys yeah. and it's, they just don't have it in them in early august 1997 diana accepted an invitation from egyptian billionaire muhammad al-fayed to his home in saint tropez in the south of france there diana met her host son Dodie, and the pair hit it off according to paul's interview in diana the royal truth Diana told him that she was bored and wanted to leave Saint-Tropez, but the only way she could get home was on the Herod's jet via Paris. Dodie needed to go to Paris to do work for his father. Then she planned to fly back to London after. Tragically, she would never make it back to London. Oh, man. So what do we think? Well, I think you said it earlier. If there's ever a time to be unfaithful in a marriage, I think she had a free pass Based mm-hmm. upon the, in legal world, they call it a waiver. When you stop behaving <laughs> amongst the, if you stop behaving according to the terms of the contract, you and you've sort of stopped requiring the other party to perform. I think you've waived it. I think mm-hmm. you he's waived any argument, but it doesn't seem like he was upset. Or, I don't even think he cared. No, and that's the other sad thing is that she really wanted him to give a shit for years. Yeah. That's all she wanted, and he never ever did. And so I think she, it was she was definitely driven to a lot of her behaviors by uh the relationship i do think she's right that it was a symptom not a cause yeah Uh, and it's hard to see that and it's hard to be so isolated it's hard to see a person so isolated but thank god for her kids is what i think this is yeah this the lesson here and thank god for paul burel although you know i always wonder if like the people in the uk think oh he's he's a twat like he you know he (laughs) Because he's made his whole career pretty much about talking about her and like, yeah. but he does try to live her, you know, keep her legacy alive and everything, but obviously probably makes money from it. So oh, I'm who sure. Knows. Yeah. He was yeah, very sympathetic in his documentary. She said that by the time Harry was eight, her and Charles had no intimacy whatsoever mm-hmm. i mean they just coexisted they have separate they had separate bedrooms mm-hmm. you know they had separate staff and every i mean I, I think they did even before that but yeah at that point she's kind of doing what he's been doing from the beginning it's like this is we're just married for appearances go f whoever you want and she said cool like michael scott said sometimes you got to get your freak on <laughs> but i definitely think that um I'm glad that she started to find her voice and a passion in her charity work and especially her children. And that even though her life was cut so short that she got to have those really fun, memorable moments with her children that she also even she was only, you know, Harry was or William was 15 when she died and Harry's three years younger. He was Mm -hmm. 12, I think. Even in that short amount of time, she made such an impact on them mm-hmm. that to this day, they continue her legacy through the things that she was so passionate about. And that just shows the type of impact she made on everyone. Oh, for sure. And I think it's sweet that he's, you know, both of them say, I still feel that she loves me. And there was mm-hmm. never a day. And you can, and as a parent, I'm assuming that's what you want your kids to say, that even when I'm not around, they know I'd love them more than anything. And they both said, she loved us more than anything in the world. Mm-hmm. She would do anything for us, anything. And that's the mark of a perfect parent i think obviously yeah. she she probably wasn't you know there was probably days that she had off days or whatever but at the end of it all they say i can feel her in the room sometimes i can f- we make sure the kids see pictures of her and i never ever once doubted that i was the most important thing in the world mm-hmm. to her yeah they said they can still feel her hugs that she just had these mm-hmm. huge hugs to give them and harry said during his entire time 
where he and Megan were leaving the family and that he felt her presence there. And he, in that Oprah interview, he says, I'm so thankful that I had Megan by my side because as this has been so incredibly difficult and to think of her going through it by herself back then, Mm. he couldn't even imagine what that pain must've been like. It's heartbreaking to think mm-hmm. about your mom, all the pain she suffered and yeah. and how alone she was, truly. And even even though her kids did bring her comfort, they can't. It's not the same as a spouse. And sure. Partner. No. And it shouldn't so, be yeah. that sort of pressure and expectations shouldn't be put on a kid. Well, thank you, guys. This is part two. Um, if you've made it this far and you still haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to part one. And part three will be out next week where we'll. Obviously, get into the accident and theory, conspiracy theories, and things that happened after that. For sure, it is. Uh, it's a deep dive into that too. I, her, I'm glad we're spending more time on her life than her death, though. I think absolutely. I think that's the most important part. She was much more defined by the things she did in her life than her death. We love providing Sinister to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting this show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating this show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including our Our Am I the Asshole and Our Relationship segments, where we read and discuss the best that Reddit has to offer. We also just released our Doppelganger mini-sode. Yeah, yes. you do a great uh, Abraham and Lincoln impression. You do, yes, yes. <laughs> and we also have a, a new fun bit, Judge Christie, which um, we got to do another one of those soon. Oh yeah, I got I got some some good hot topic questions for you, Judge. I can't wait for you to make <laughs> your final rulings. You also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We'll also be hopping on occasionally and hosting monthly Q&As where you can ask us all your burning questions. Although we're probably going to be switching the Q&A yeah, from Discord. We're not going to use Discord is a great chat app. It is. And thank we you to dis- everyone who um, helped us troubleshoot some issues we had during the Q&A uh, on Saturday. You know, I was a little bit glad there was no video because I was sweating of just shame and nervousness. But I think what we've realized is there's other uh, better options out there for mm-hmm. video chatting. But for one to one text chatting, Discord's the best. So it is. use it for what, you know, you're not trying to tow a boat with a bicycle. Right. So we're going to figure out what to tow the boat with. Uh, but the bicycle's great for a jaunty trip around the lake with friends. <laughs> For our patrons not in the U.S., you now have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of conversion fee. Annual memberships for tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. A lot of you asked me on my Instagram where I got my very sweet Donna Laser and the Meat Warlocks t-shirt. Well, let me tell you, if you want a badass Donna Laser and the Meat Warlocks t-shirt, and it says, meet the world, which I forgot about. Yeah. M-E-A-T, the world. Uh, Just like me, head to the Sinisterhood website and click shop on the top banner, and you can get swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and clothes for your kids 
But let's be real. You want that Donna Laser t-shirt. It's it's the best. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. I was going to ask you where you're at, but you were going to just tell me. I'm into it. <laughs> Group think. I'm on Twitter at Christy or GTFO, and I am on Instagram at Christy and Wallace. Heather? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts. Caitlin. Allie Vetter. Megan Nichols. Brooke. Maria. Mayari Angel. Jasmine Cyrilis. Angelica. Renee Ketchell. Emily Starr. Liz Rutherford. Lucinda Storm. Kristen Crabtree. Destiny Powers. Emily Olson. Elise Fontaine. Lindsay Fix. Kyle Wolf. Virginia. Madison Jarrett. Rocky O. Alexis Schultz. Christine Schroeder. Jasmine Christine. Heather Suvaka. Sarah Shepard. Emily. Zach Wallace, my brother. I love you so much. Thank you. Viva Young. Debbie Weesies. Elaine Kloss. Megan Thompson. Scarlett Medinsky. Katie Haynes. Allie. Mary Glaze. Tosh Stokes. Tony Sampson. Sarah C. Abigail Stone. Amber Graham. Joku Moo. Melissa Dovey. Heather Bemis. Rebecca Andrews Murtha. Lisa. Melanie. Mary Claire. Courtney Bauman. Sarah Grogan. Alice. And Mary Bates. I have one more. Oh, yeah. My, uh, one, a person that I was in law school, she didn't go to the same law school as me, but Meredy is a pilot and amazing person and we said Mara because Patreon cut it off instead of Meredy. It's it's M A R A apostrophe D. So I love you, Meredy. Sorry about that from previously. She's like, I've been waiting for oh. my shout out. But there was a glitch in the system. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. So sorry. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for supporting us. We couldn't do this without you. We sincerely appreciate it, especially during these trying times. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. <laughs> Sin